Good morning. Welcome to worship. We are delighted that you are here. We continue to see new faces that have made their way back, and that makes us so happy. So glad that you're here in person and glad that you all are continuing to worship online. We did want to let you know that we are aware of the recommendations of the CDC, and we will take that into account as we make plans moving forward. You have probably noticed that it is Communion Sunday, so you here have gotten your baggies of communion elements, and then at home if you want to grab um, some bread and juice so you can participate with us as we commune together. Well, I have just three announcements for today. The first one is that we heard from Marlene Petro a couple of weeks ago that we are hosting Day of Hope on July 17th, and there are three things that you can do to participate. First, real easy, you can buy toothbrushes and toothpaste for adults and children and drop them off at the front office. Second, you can sign up to volunteer on our website. And third, you can make a monetary donation. If you remember, it costs $100 per student, and we are going to host 250 students. You do the math, but it's really easy to give on the website. If you click that button that says Give, you just choose the um, donor name, and Day of Hope is there, among some other things. Okay, second, we are excited that members from the, our sister congregation, Light of the World Church, are going to join us in our book discussion on How to Fight Racism by Jamar Tisby. Uh, we even get to hear from their pastor, Kelvin Lumpkin. So remember that Stephen Kelvin did that talk back way at the beginning of the pandemic. So he's going to um, talk to us a little bit that night as well. You would register for that Zoom link on our website, and it is for Monday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Last, we are looking for some writers, people who like to write, to help tell the story of our mission partners. Um, so that we can get that communicated out to our congregation. So if you have a gift of writing or you want to explore it and you're willing to participate in that way, we just ask that you reach out to Sarah Soboleski. So now I would like to invite you to stand for our call to worship. We gather as God's beloved children, however glad we are, however out of sorts we are. We come together as a people whom Jesus calls into community. So this becomes a place where all are welcome. We have come to give thanks, to pray, to listen, to share a meal, to be together again. Let us worship God. Our God is stronger 
higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God.
Thank you guys and welcome back Steve. We missed you last week. Everybody can have a seat and um, as the mic runners are making their way up beside me, you know we are at that time in our worship service where we get to um, worship God with our tithes and our offering. Of course there are many ways to give and here there is a basket on each side um, on each table as you leave. So um, thank you for Come right over here, my little pretties. Nice, great, thank you. Well, they yell at me back there because they can't see you. So um, I will let them introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Gianna. I'm a junior at Venice High School. Gianna, thanks for being here. Hi, I'm Susan, and I am an employee at this church. What do you do, Susan? I am the health and well-being director here. So nice. you'll find me in the Palm Center most yes. of the time. Yes, awesome. Thank you. As you know, if you have um, joys or concerns and you raise your hand, they will come out and hear them, and they'll sanitize the mic in between rounds. You know, this is such a great way for us to connect of how we get to know each other, but I really miss that time when we can go up and talk to each other, and I'm not sure how we can get back to that, but um, really want to hear your stories, and um, so I just want to throw out there, um, if we don't know each other, I would love to have coffee with you sometime, so email me, we could just like chat, and I would like to do a couple a week, but I can't start this week, my daughter's getting married, but starting the next week. So send me an email because I would really love to get to know you and who you are. And even if you've been here for a long time, that would make my heart happy. So how can we pray on this day? I just think we should keep Mingy in our prayers for this time of reflection for her. Yes, uh, I think it's harder to pull away from your life at the church, then we probably give that credit. So it'll take her a while probably to settle into her new rhythm. So thank you for lifting up Mingy. And of course, Myanmar, um, which she asked us to continue pray for, and Sue keeps us right on the radar. So um, thank you for that, Marion. I would just ask for prayers. Um, my brother retired six months ago and found out this week he's got pancreatic cancer. Oh. Um, hopefully it was caught early. We still have a lot to learn. He's in that stage of testing and so forth. And then also for a good friend um, who's also battling throat cancer and uh, immune therapy was looking promising and now the side effects are too much so he's having to go back to chemo. So prayers oh. for them. Mike is my brother and Bob is my friend. Thanks. So Mike and Bob, thank you for sharing that with us. And oh, yuck, yuck. So let us be mindful of Mike and Bob and for other people who we know um, may be struggling with cancer um, and other illnesses. Thank you. Anything else? I would like to ask for prayers um, for my daughter who will be married on Friday as they come together and they're so young and for all the family that is traveling um, that you might just uh, think of us this week that would be most appreciated. Yeah, right. There. Yeah, let it go ahead right over there because we can't hear without it. And then I have to repeat everything, so. 
Good morning, all. Oops. <laughs> I'd like to recite a poem I wrote a long time ago regarding fate. <clears throat> I said, who's this man, this extraordinary man they call fate? Fate. I ask these questions, but is it too late? Is he like some sadistic tyrant of old, with no conscience and a heart so cold? Who is he who draws a line between right and wrong? For some it's short, and for some it's long. Some may stumble, some may fall, but we know for a fact he doesn't take all. Who is he who torments my brain? If he's human, he must be insane. O oh, death, receive me into that vast domain. Release me from this world, this tormented brain. But wait, I ask these questions, but don't I ask in vain? Is this man and I, are we not the same? God, is this man and I not the same? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, tell me, what is your name? Jack, Jack, Jack. Hannah. Yeah. Jack, thank you. I'm well, from Scotland. <laughs> I can, um, it took me a while to get the cadence, but uh, thank yeah, you. Oh, you can tell that without the kilt. <laughs> uh, welcome, we're, we're glad you're here, Jack. Yeah, ha ha. Susan asked if I'd like to repeat that one. <laughs> She's a, real funny. Uh, all right. Well, let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, it is good to be in this space. It is good to be in communion with one another and with you. We are grateful, Lord, for the hearts that are shared, that we might lift up to you the pain that we feel, and the joy, and even the poetry. We know, God, that all good things come from your loving hands, and we give you thanks for that. And we pause now, Lord, just for a moment to confess our sin to you, because we know that you promise to forgive us and that each day we get to start new. So we pause now, hear our sin, hear our confession, O God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, we know that the mercy of God is from everlasting to everlasting. Jesus forgives all of our sins, so we are free. We are free to go forth from this place with all the creativity and imagination that God gives us to love and serve God and one another. Thanks be to God, amen. Good morning. <clears throat> My name is Steve McConnell, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's so good to see a few more new faces coming back, and grateful that we get to be reconnecting over this uh, time of uh, journeying forward, hopefully through the end of COVID. So this morning, we begin to look at the last of the fruit of the Spirit. We've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit since September. There are nine fruits of the Spirit that have been identified by the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, 22, and 23. And we've been looking at each one each month. And this is the month of May. And so we're on our last of the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of self-control. And, you know, it's not a bad idea when you think about these fruits of the Spirit to be thinking about how they 
accompany your own spiritual formation. You may want to maybe commit these fruits of the Spirit uh, to your memory and perhaps allow them to be a guide for your own journey of spiritual formation. Or you may want to take one a month like we've been doing over the last nine months and letting it be a chance for you to ponder what this element of spiritual formation and how it's working for you. For example, something like generosity. You can ask the question, well, how does generosity appear in my life these days? And what are the ways by which people experience generosity in me? And what's my checkbook say about my generosity? Or, or other fruits of the Spirit, patience. You look like you all have great patience, so you probably don't even need to think about that. But in the event that patience may be a challenge for you, just taking a month of sort of focusing on that spiritual gift and spiritual fruit and wondering how is it that perhaps the Spirit can work in me to allow me to exercise that gift more often. Because in a sense, the fruit of the Spirit is sort of where the rubber meets the road, right? The Apostle James in his letter says that faith without works is dead. I suspect it was the fruit of the Spirit that he was thinking about. So how are we opening our lives up to the work of the Spirit such that the outcome is this delectable fruit that extends from our branches and makes us, and in turn, Jesus, irresistible to the yearnings of others? So today and then the following two weeks, and then after that we'll be shifting our gears to Pentecost and Trinity Sunday, we'll be focusing on this fruit of self-control, and we'll be doing so by using the story of Jesus in the wilderness as an outline for our consideration. Jesus is tempted by the devil in three particular ways, and Jesus is able to exercise self-control in resisting those temptations. So we're going to look at one temptation each week as, and look at Jesus' response as a way of wondering about the opportunities we have to exhibit this fruit of the Spirit. So today we'll be reading from Matthew's account of the temptations of Jesus, and then we'll be looking later at another story from Luke's Gospel. Now before reading, it's important to note one thing about this story that sometimes we kind of gloss past, which is this. The story begins by saying that Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And that's a very important point to remember because self-control begins when you are willing to surrender yourself to the leading of the Spirit. It's not a story of Jesus' strength as much as it is a story of Jesus' submission to the Spirit. His self-control comes as a result of allowing the Spirit to empower him and focus him and guide him as he faces these temptations, including the spiritual discipline of fasting. Jesus' journey into the wilderness and he fasts, and because this spiritual discipline of fasting is to focus one's attention on the most essential element of life, which is communion of God, communion with God, we recognize then that we, when we are deeper in communion with God, then we are able to exert a greater power of self-control. When we are less in communion with God, then the easier it is for us to sort of chase after the first distraction, not unlock, not unlike dog training. I don't know if any of you have, I mean, how many of you have dogs? A few dogs here, okay. How many of you have ever had a dog? Okay, a few more. Um, so dog training is what? It's about the communion of dog and master, right? Um, an uncontrollable dog exercises self-control the deeper in communion that dog is with his master, less willing then to chase the first rabbit that darts across his path. This is a communion I was never able to achieve with the several dogs that we owned. 
So let's begin by looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of God. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. And then from Luke's Gospel, the 12th chapter. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who sent me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Do take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them the parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, what should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? And then he said, I, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. A dear friend of mine is a biker, and when I say biker, I mean motorcyclist. He loves to ride and drive motorcycles. Me, I'm scared to death of them, but he loves his big touring motorcycles and looks forward to when he can take some time and cruise on a long distance interstate track and he tells a story of once saving up his money to buy a BMW touring bike with all the bells and whistles, all the electronics, the stereo system, I didn't know motorcycles had stereo systems, air conditioning, I didn't know air, 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 motorcycles had air conditioning, and anything else that you can imagine, it was on this bike. So finally came the day when the amount he had saved equaled the price of the bike, and off he went to pick up his dream. Thrill went through his bones as he drove off the lot and for the next couple of hours traveled over hill and dale, delighting in his new acquisition. As the sun set, he drove up his driveway, parked his bike in the garage. On the way to the house, stopped at the mailbox to pick up the mail, and there in the mailbox was the just-released BMW motorcycle catalog 
with the just announced newly redesigned version of the bike he had just purchased and that for now at least two hours had had the chance to enjoy. But now he admits quite honestly the luster had faded and the little bloom was off the rose. And now his sights were on the new and improved bike, the latest rabbit to dart across his path. Strange how our wants can so quickly change. Was it Oscar Wilde who said the two great tragedies of life are not getting what you want and getting it? If you've ever stumbled across the story of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, then you likely remember the encounter between the young boy Edmund and the White Witch, and the witch entices the unsuspecting boy by asking him what he would like to eat, what, what he would like to eat. And like most redded boys, there comes to mind first candy, and in particular, he asks for Turkish delight, a quite sweet, gummy British candy, and the queen produces it, and Edmund takes a piece and so enjoys it. But because it's enchanted Turkish delight, it leaves him wanting more. He he wants more and more and more of it, and he will do anything, the witch says, as long as he can have some more. Strange how our wants can so quickly change to our needs, from I'd like to have this to I have to have this. Which explains, I suppose, the experience of the McConnell household earlier this year when it became necessary to replace the entire floor in our home. Joy, joy, joy. And so what that means is that nearly all your earthly possessions have to go somewhere else for a time. In this instance, it meant our garage. As we lugged bags and boxes of stuff and junk out, we were happy to take half of it to Goodwill. And even then, the garage was still full. And so when it came time to pack it up and put it back in the house, another half went to Goodwill. How did we get all this stuff? Somewhere the like to have became the half to have may have been the issue at hand when Jesus told the story about the man and his barns. It's a story he tells in the middle of a little family squabble over inheritance, nothing like inheritance to ruin the best of families. And Jesus says the thing that we know is right, he says this thing and we know is right, but we end up spending most of our life trying to prove it wrong. Jesus says life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Did you hear that? Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And of course, the abundance of possessions comes as a result of, of our wants changing to our needs, the nice to have changing to the have to have. And so Jesus tells the story of the man whose land produces a great good crop, and somewhere along the way, the man's like to have turns to a have to have, and it never dawns on him, of course, that the basic needs which have been met for him long ago, three square meals a day, are possibly basic needs that have not been met for others. But he has to have more. The little old barns won't do. No, no, they come down and bigger barns go up because you can never have too much. Which I suppose is what the devil is saying to Jesus. Come on, Jesus. You know, you can never have too much. Man, if you wanted to, you could turn these stones of bread and build yourself a bakery, and not just one bakery, but two, three, ten, just for you. You can franchise, go public. Because you can never have too much. And the devil thinks he's got Jesus just where he wants him depleted and, and weakened. That's usually when the devil shows up, right? It's the best trick he's got, showing up when we're empty. 
showing up just when our wants are turning into needs. But, but the devil fails to take into account that Jesus is there to begin with because he's been driven by the Spirit. Jesus is there because he's already surrendered to the Spirit. Jesus is there already in deep communion with God, so deeply in touch with the living presence of the Father, the sustaining presence of the Creator. And so as he entertains this thought of likes and wants and needs, there is this spirit of self-control that reminds him what life consists of. And what life consists of is not bread alone. There's a different menu here than the devil's. Human beings live and breathe upon the life-giving word of God. And the life-giving word of God fills the soul. And the filled soul knows that the bakery bread will come as much as needed, if not as much as wanted explains why the last thing Jesus did with his disciples is to gather them finally at table around another loaf, an unleavened loaf, to remind them again what life consists of. Yes, some bread for the body, oh, but more, more, more bread for the soul. The word of God, the very breath of God, breathe through the broken loaf and the poured cup the communion of God through which we find our self-control. Lauren Winner, the Duke theologian in her book, Girl Meets God, reminds us of the different names for this meal. Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. And then she remembers another name from history. She, she hearkens back to the early centuries of the church and the Latin word they used to name this meal. They called it viaticum. Viaticum, a Roman term that referred to the designated food, clothes, and money a Roman magistrate would take with him when he traveled on state business. In other words, the essentials. Don't pack too much, just the essentials. No big suitcases, no big barns, just viaticum, the bread and cup is all you really need. Like the prophet Elijah collapsing on the journey and the angel comes and bakes for him the bread of heaven and says, Viaticum, arise and eat or else the journey will be too great for you. Arise and eat and commune deeply with the host. Surrender yourself to the Spirit. Find here the power to say no when no must be said. And to say yes when yes must be said. For men and women live most on the word made flesh, broken and poured for us. Amen. Friends, we are invited by the gracious host, the one who has sent the invitation out far and wide and welcomes all to this table, that we might find here the adequum, we might find here the essential, we might find here that feast for which our souls crave. So friends, come, even though you may know 
that there are, there's much more at home that you have yet to get rid of. Come and begin here knowing that these are the essentials for your life. Prior to reading the words of institution, I invite you to have your bags ready with your little cups in hand. And we invite you, when we get to that moment of receiving the meal, to uh, peel off the bread first and eat it, and then later the cup and drink it. And we will be communing both elements at the same time. So hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I received with the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take and eat, for this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you all for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink of it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And friends, he will come again. Let us pray. Merciful God, we do not come to this table trusting in our goodness and virtue. We come with a broken and contrite heart. We come because we are sinful and we need forgiveness. We come because we are hungry for life and need to be fed. We come in gratitude because Christ has invited us just as we are and promises us new life in him a life that is flourishing in fruit like kindness, joy, peace, and self-control. Gracious and loving God, pour out your spirit on these gifts and among us. Unite us with your amazing grace and abundant love and hear us as we pray the prayer Jesus taught us saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, the gifts of God for the people of God, let us commune together.
exhibit the fruit of self-control that we may be your people in the world and through us people may experience that great fruit to the spirit 
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.